What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, um, actually, I don't even know. I don't even know what I want to say about The Rock. I mean, other than he has no ass, I feel like he has no ass. <laughs> uh, like he needs, he needs to do more squats. I mean, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I did, I did touch him though, and and his his the small of his back is really taut. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, this is Travis Bernard. And I am Brandon Cruz. Welcome to Apathetic Enthusiasm, the podcast where each week we take a look at current events or a recent article and then explore them through the lens of media and pop culture. Uh, what are we talking about this week, Brandon? This week we are talking about unmasking horror films and the, the science behind why we watch them. Yeah, horror, horror is a little bit more your genre than mine but we did have a request this week on our facebook page to thank, talk about horror films so thank you, thank you kevin reese uh, i say reese because his name is reese not ruiz that's that's just a source of contention in, a, in our in our circles <laughs> in our friend circles <laughs> it's it's highly contested what what this person's last name is yeah well he if you if you call him kevin ruiz he'll he'll correct that's like the first thing he'll do is correct you he won't even say hi he'll be like no it's it's reese all right well that's that's good to know and that's what, the true shout word. out shout out shout out to kevin <laughs> reese uh <laughs> if if you have an article or topic suggestion for the show uh, we would love to hear your suggestions. You can do that uh, via our Facebook page, facebook.com slash apathetic enthusiasm show over at Twitter at apathusiast or send us an email at apathetic enthusiasm show at gmail.com. Uh, the article this week in question is from the New York times. It is the critique of pure horror by Jason Zinneman. Uh, we'll have the link in the show notes, but uh, interesting article. Uh, you, you sent this over to me and it really, it, it takes more of a uh, a scholarly look at horror films. It, it's it's examining the uh, actually studying why people watch horror films. What what was your first initial take on the article? Um, so the 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 study of horror films uh, beyond just hey, I really like that uh, Freddy Krueger kills people in their dreams, right? 
I, I like the, the metaphor in horror films. And so as, as soon as I found this article and I read through it, I was like, ah, that's exactly, that's exactly how we should approach the subject. Kevin, Kevin Ruiz, Kevin, Kevin, it's Reese. It's Reese. It's Re- don't get, yeah, don't sorry. get it. Twi- don't get it twisted. My, my bad. My bad. Uh, but yeah, like, <laughs> like, you know, you, you think of horror films and the first thing you think of is like, okay, like uh, this guy's going to die. These girls are going to die. Who's going to survive at the end. And for, for some of these films, you can take a look at them and there's a, a deeper message message in there. And that's really what the article talks about. Yeah. Yeah. The, one of the first things that it gets into, and, and I guess some of the earliest studies of horror films and why people enjoy horror films, uh, they talked about like the early Frankenstein films and uh, Night of the Living Dead, but they, they talked about this idea of repressed personality traits, repressed emotional issues. Uh, they talked about repressed femininity. Uh, they, they, they thought that uh, Frankenstein was this embodiment of repressed homosexuality. Um, so yeah. I don't know, like some of that stuff I was like, yeah, okay. I can maybe see some of this. The night of living dead was like dealing with family issues, I guess. But I was, I, I almost wonder, are these realistic like intentions that the writers or directors had when they were making these films? Or is this just this, this extra layer that these psychologists are, are like, they're kind of like putting on there like, well, yeah, I mean, you could say that these things are going on, uh, even if there was no direct intent by the uh, the filmmakers to, to make that. I'm, what, what was your opinion on that? Well, I, there's a there's a certain level of projection in, in there, I, I think, in the, the sense that um, I think Ray Bradbury mentioned something about, you know, uh, somebody asked him if he intentionally puts in metaphors into his writing, right? And he basically said, any metaphor that's in my writing is something you've made up because I didn't, that wasn't my intent to 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 talk about that issue or that issue. It just kind of happened. And I think to a certain extent, you know, a, a creator of some form, whether it be writing or filmmaking, like there's a part of them that is in that content. So there's a part of them that that bleeds through, I I believe, um, but not always consciously. Yeah, and I, and you talk about maybe subconsciously, uh, like Ray Bradbury may not have intentionally put certain metaphors in, but maybe without really thinking about it or not doing it intentionally, he may have still, you know, taken that from his subconscious and, and applied that into it. And I think that may be the case with some of these horror films. There may be. Uh, emotions or feelings that writers are are dealing with that they they then express in a certain way yeah but uh it may not always be something that they were intentionally trying to like make a statement about yeah you know what i mean like uh so the frankenstein example in this article i will i would never have seen that or gone that route um Mm -hmm. just with with the homosexuality aspect of it even even thinking about it still i'm not really sure when looking back at the film, like trying to picture it in my head, a Fantasia, uh, like where, where that, that, that metaphor comes in. But, uh, I recently, I went and saw aliens in the theater with, uh, with Chelsea and the kiddo. Yes. My four year old. Yeah. Four year old son. Uh, right. the only four year old in there. He <laughs> props, <laughs> props. Uh, people looked at us weird, but he left the theater and he's like, that movie was awesome. 
You know what's funny is I just to completely derail you from your story. Uh, <laughs> I went I went to the movies with my wife last night, and the theater here will not allow a child under the age of six, I believe, what? into an R-rated film. Wow! They, like you just can't take them in. Which you know, I guess that's some con- that's some controlled parenting for some people. Uh, but I've gone to certain movies. I think we went to Deadpool together yeah. and there were like children in the theater and it's, you know, sometimes you want to go out to a movie with other adults and not have kids. No, I'm not, I know your son is pretty well behaved, but yeah. uh, I, I, I appreciated that with theater. Anyway, yeah. you went and saw aliens. I, I mean, with it, you. It, it, during the movie, if he's like said anything too loud, I was like, shut your mouth, shut, <laughs> shut your little your little or those aliens will come down to earth <laughs> and take you in your sleep. Uh, anyway, so we're talking about we're talking about uh, metaphor, intentional metaphor, right? And I mean, not knowing Frankenstein, but we went saw Aliens, and I'd read before that Aliens was about <laughs> with your little Aliens doll on the camera. Uh, I've I'd read before that Aliens is actually a commentary, a little bit about like motherhood, a little bit. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not that's not something I had ever caught before. And I think in like the director's cut, there's a there's a cut scene where Ripley finds out that her daughter, uh, who um, could, they find Ripley, she had been floating around in space for 57 years, and her daughter had grown up and then died in that time that Ripley was yeah, in hypersleep, right. right? So that's a cut scene. Um, and so throughout the movie, like her motherly bond with Newt, the the little girl that she finds, grows, and then at the very end of the movie, when she meets the queen alien. And there's this there's this real quick scene where like the the queen alien is like looking over Ripley and at Newt, and Ripley like shoots a little bit of fire at all these eggs, and the queen backs off, right? And Ripley realizes like, oh, this is a mother who cares about her kids. She's not she's yeah. not going to attack me until uh, until I'm out of there. And so yeah, I, yeah, yeah. so I'd never caught that before, but that's so cool. Like that had to have been an intentional. Uh, intentional theme in, in that, that movie. Yeah. I, I wonder how often do you think, uh, those sorts of, of bigger ideas or, uh, or messages are intentionally put into these sorts of films or, or how, how often is it just like a byproduct of the story and, and what they're already creating? Uh, I mean, do you, do you think most horror films try to tell a bigger story or is it just, some of the uh, more upper echelon. I I think I do think that some that some really good ones do try to to put it in there. I think that others you can you can try to read into it, and then you be like, I mean, you can really glean anything from anything if you really try hard enough, right? Yeah, right, sure. Which is which is what I learned in my film uh, my film classes is like <laughs> try to figure out what this scene meant, right? If if you apply enough uh, book reading and uh, and sort of social elitism, you can you can find meaning in in any piece of uh, film or media. God, I, I love film, but it's so it could be so pretentious sometimes trying to <laughs> trying to take stuff out of it. Uh, but uh, like I take a uh, Babadook, the Babadook movie, um, like yeah, with the uh, big say, uh, with the big dog, uh, <laughs> right, Marmaduke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Arr, arr. <laughs> that's Bob Duke. He's always he's always getting into trouble. Oh my god! That that Baba Duke. It's a family circus sequel. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> like there's a metaphor in that movie that um, is like so intense. It, it is intentional, but it's also so intentional that it becomes heavy handed in its execution. Mm, okay. Uh, still a pretty good movie, but I, I think that's the kind of downfall when it's not, when it's not subtle, it's just like beating you over the head with, with a giant dog. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Marmaduke. So, Marmaduke. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the joke. Okay. We we got to it. We got to it. Uh, so so that kind of brings me to the the next thing I want to talk about, which is, um, are do you feel horror movies are more about, uh, these these social commentaries or trying to tell this this bigger story, or are they more about like the ride, the the visceral experience of seeing a horror film? Like, why are you are you going for like a better story? Or are you going just to kind of experience maybe that rush of, of being scared and things like that. I don't actually know. I mean, what do you, let me, let me think about that. And you tell me what you think. So, uh, we're opposite sides of this coin. Typically. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't watch a lot of horror films. Uh, I, I do watch some, but especially, uh, in the last decade being married, my wife is very much not into horror films. So, it it t- it took a while for me to convince her like hey let's give the walking dead a try let's you know it's it's zombies you know whatever we could try it out yeah. um i definitely think for me it's more about the story and if i if i want to watch a horror film it's definitely going to be because i find the plot or some some aspect of the story to be really interesting to to get me to want to watch it uh when it's like saw 5 and 6 and it's just like gratuitous violence and I and it's just different ways of killing people or whatever. Um I'm just like, I don't need to watch that. That's not that's not something where I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to see the next way that they are brutal towards people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm trying to think of the last movie I saw in the uh I so so I've seen two horror movies in the theater. I saw uh Lights Out, um, and then I saw uh Lights Out don't breathe and also the conjuring too. Right. So, so those are the, the last three horror films I saw in the theater. And I would say that of, of those three, the conjuring is, is awesome. The conjuring two was, was the best of, of those. And I think the conjuring two is, is the best of those just because it's a well-crafted movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, James, James Wan, James Wan, he just, he just did him. He knows he knows how to make a good horror movie because he subverts like there's when you're filmmaking, especially horror filmmaking, there's like their horror beats. Right. And it's like, okay, build up suspense, 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 break it. He knows how to subvert that build up suspense, 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 break it a little bit. Suspense, suspense, break it just a little bit more suspense. <laughs> like, he he does that. It, it's so. Eff- I, I just pictured a trombone. So sperm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he does. Yeah, that's why they call him James Wan, the tram, the trombone man. <laughs> uh, it's on his business card. I can confirm. But uh, yeah, I, I think there was an aspect of just wanting to be, like, just wanting to be scared and scared well. Um, that uh, that I've always enjoyed. Um, I, I watch. Is it is it more of the uh, like the jump factor, like 
you know, building towards like a climactic event that kind of jump makes you jump in your seat, or is it more of the topics and premises that may be darker or more um, creepy to think about is, that that drive you more into uh, watching a film? Yeah, it's 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 really tough, right, man? Because like when I was a kid, the first horror movie I ever saw was Child's Play, and I was I watched it again with with the four year old this last week. Uh, and I was like, Oh man, this, this scares me again. Like it, it took me back to that place when I was a kid and I was, a, I was afraid of uh, my buddy. Right. Yeah. My, my, my yeah. buddy doll. And so I think, I don't know why I enjoy that feeling like that feeling when I was a kid and I was hiding underneath my, my covers and I'd have dreams felt like once a week where Jason was stalking me. Right. And I was like, just don't breathe. You won't see me in this this <laughs> barn, right? I don't know why I still I don't like that feeling, but I like it. It's, yeah, it's like sex, that's, right? Like you don't really <laughs> like you don't really like it, but I mean, you put up with it. It's it's work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness our wives don't listen to this podcast. Uh, no, I it's for me, like I didn't watch those movies when I was a young kid. But I watched The Wizard of Oz and was terrified of the Wicked Witch of the West. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the scene, and what I, it, I now call my favorite movie of all time, but Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the, the scene where they're going through the tunnel on the, uh, on the boat. Yeah. I, I had a hard time with that. Really? And that was, yeah. G- Gene Wilder singing, I just couldn't handle it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I was like super sensitive to any kind of stuff like that. Uh, so going to go see like an actual horror film as a child, uh-huh. right out. That was that was not going to happen. <laughs> uh, and, and I think maybe that's just part of my personality and my character. I, I've gotten past it. And as a teenager, I would go out and watch you know, scream and I know what you did last summer and final destination, all those things like that. And, uh, but, but it just was never something that was like something I was really eager to go see. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch them. But it, and, and it wasn't, I don't think until my senior year in high school where I took a films course mm-hmm. and really studied film as an art form. Yeah. Uh, that I really started to appreciate, the craft of a horror film. And we watched Halloween in, in that class. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it wasn't just sitting there and being immersed in the film, but it was taking breaks and having someone explain like why Carpenter did certain things in certain ways. And sort of just like the, the, the deeper level of storytelling that went into that film. And so I think I got a better appreciation for, horror films after kind of studying the process a little bit more. Right. Right. Uh, one of the, one of my essays for the end of one of my film classes, well, I did, I did a report on uh, Nosferatu Metropo- Metropolis and the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Right. And the, the thing I was looking into those is just um, like Nosferatu, the, the vampire is rat like, and he's coming in from outside Europe and infecting Europe, right? Infecting sure. Europe with a plague. Mm-hmm. And okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's right on the nose, right? It's the, the, the fear of the outsider coming in and 
uh, ruining, you know, infecting the the populace. And then like Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, it was it was all like this commentary on, you know, putting our trust in an authority and that authority being evil, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and this is all like it. It's not something that when you're watching it on your first go around, it's something you necessarily catch unless you're looking for. Right. You watch sure. them, you watch them and you're like, that was a good movie. And it's not until somebody says, Hey, there's something, there's a something a little bit deeper there, a little sociologically deeper there. Take a look, take a gander. Yeah. <laughs> Peel back the curtain. If you, will. there's an onion uh. <laughs> and there's a layer of onion. That movie was Shrek and there's nothing scary about that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe there were a few scary things about that movie, but <laughs> <laughs> that's for another podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um what so uh, obviously you don't you don't watch a lot of horror movies, right? But do you do you have any that you like would you say are your favorite? Like I mean and why? Mm. I guess is a, is a question. I don't uh I think any of the favorites I have are are sentimental in nature like it was it was one that I watched with a certain group of people or um like I, I don't know if uh, uh the Lost Boys is really like traditionally horror but I mean it deals with vampires and yeah. and things like that but um that movie to me like just was like one that I watched when I was younger and it's cheesy 80s like to the, to the max bro uh, but but that's that's a movie that um I just always go back to and enjoy and I think part of it's just uh the style of it and things like that. Um uh other horror movies. I, I should almost check the collection behind me and see if I actually own any. Aliens. And that would I have the aliens, dude. Um came over. I don't know. What 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 is what is yours? Well, I well I try to think of an appropriate answer. My my, it, my if you could if you could even possibly come up with one. My favorite horror film. Uh I can't I can't say a favorite. I can say that I really like Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. It's a really good I I really I love Tales from the Crypt, so that just falls within there. Bordello Blood is not is not great. Uh also Event Horizon is I saw that in the theater when I was 17. And, you know, it's not the best movie, but it does a really great job of um, kind of twisting the script a little bit because um, the dude who played Grant in Jurassic Park, uh, what's his name? And then Lawrence Fishburne, uh, Sam, uh, Sam yeah. Neill. Yeah. Sam Neill. Like, you, you start that movie thinking Sam Neill is a protagonist, and slowly throughout the course of the movie, he ends up becoming kind of the bad guy. So that that's really good. And then of course, I think I'll say, oh, man, so many. John Carpenter is a thing, is up there, along with The Exorcist. And The Exorcist is still a movie that um, to this day creeps me out, which is odd because I'm not religious. <laughs> Does Shaun of the Dead count? Oh, God, you son of a bee. Yeah, it does. That's that's good too. <laughs> then 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 I'll 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 use that as my entry. Oh my god. Uh speaking of having red on you, uh <laughs> let's let's talk about the gore, let's talk about the gore factor for a second, okay? So, yeah. uh a lot of these films will use um somewhat uh excessive amounts of blood and gore. Yeah. 
to to tell their stories uh what do you think it is about sort of this excessive amount of violence that uh that adds to these films and is is they talk about a uh perverse sublime in, in the article sort of this being exposed to something that is not okay yeah but because we're watching it on a film it, it kind of makes it okay it kind of taps into that thing that you know isn't right but it still has a visceral appeal to it um what what is your thought on on the gore and the violence well i think of i think of saw and i think well saw one i i saw one i'll i'll exclude that because it was fairly good at at not actually having a lot of this stuff that like the sequels had which is just like torture porn type stuff where there's like ah let's let's just get everybody really bloody and and kill make people go through painful stuff uh just not even for the audience's pleasure right like hostile too was was like that I'm not a huge fan of that, just as I'm not a huge fan of um, using rape as a plot device or a, an intention grabber in in horror films, because it's it's almost it's ex, it's exploitative and it's saying, hey, you know what? The worst thing that can happen to somebody is to take away their agency and to take away their control over their body. Let's let's make them have sex with a guy, and that to me is it all depends on the execution. If they show it like some of these movies do, they like show the act of being raped. Completely unnecessary. You don't need to show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like if it's implied, maybe depending on the context. But that's similar how I feel with excessive blood, a little bit. But I'll let me let me just say this: Ash vs. Evil Dead. There's so much blood. So so much. So, so much blood. So much blood. And it's so awesome. <laughs> Sam Raimi, like, just just spurting blood. Like, there's no reason for as much blood as, as coming out of these deadites. It's so hilarious. You know, it's funny because I almost feel like when there's that much of, like, the gore and the blood, where it's at, at such a an increased level, it almost makes it cartoonish to where it, it 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 lowers the realism of it and 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 makes its own statement in doing so. So it, it it's so over the top that it's um you know yeah. almost I, I can't think of the word right now it's, but it's uh, over it's over the top. Exactly. Uh so RoboCop, right? The the uh the director's cut of RoboCop, there's a scene where the OCP like the the head guy, he's about uh well not not the head guy, but just like a random ad guy. Uh, the the Ed two hundred one comes into the thing, and like shoots the dude. And in the actual film, it's just like he just shoots him, and then he's he's done, right? But in the director's cut, he shoots him, but he get keeps getting shot over and over again. So it's like, <laughs> and, it, and it makes it so over the top, right? Which is which is what the director was going for in it. Like he he wa- <laughs> he wanted RoboCop to be this statement on like our sensitivity to violence. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Can I tell you an, an embarrassing story from my, from my past? Absolutely. So <laughs> that's what this is for. In this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so when I was young, I was probably early teens. Um, I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth and <laughs> oh, thinking to so myself and thinking to myself, 
if I got shot multiple times head on, how would my body react normally? <laughs> like, and so thank goodness I put my toothbrush down and turned and actually acted out the motion of being shot several times <laughs> for some reason. But I backed up and the backs of my legs hit the bathtub and I fell into the bathtub and tore down the shower curtain and the rod and everything. Yeah. And then had to explain to my mom, like, why I had fallen in the <laughs> bathtub. Uh, so, yeah. So violent movies can have an effect on our children. They, and I just think that that's the message here <laughs> for everyone. They, they sure can. And, and when your mom walked in on you, there was just, she just looked at the drain and the blood swirling down the drain. <laughs> No, it's like Psycho. Psycho is a movie that I really enjoy. Um, and a lot of the uh, Hitchcock sort of suspenseful stuff, which isn't quite horror, but um, right, right. I don't know. Maybe because it's so old and cheesy that it, it doesn't affect me as much. Yeah. Uh, one, I, I, one, one, one thing I, I, I ask, right, is you, know, you don't watch a lot of horror films. Uh, um, your wife doesn't. Uh, I know Bob Carroll, longtime listener, yeah. longtime friend. He doesn't like horror films. What I've never understood why people don't watch them. I guess I like certain like the blood and and the rape as I mentioned. Like I can I can get that, but um, why don't people watch horror movies? Why don't they like them? In, uh, well, in your I estimation. I think uh, for some people, just they're not comfortable with that feeling of uneasiness. For you, it's a rush, and for you, there's something in your brain that's wired to where. When you when you feel that that tension and and that that release in a in a, in a horror film, you enjoy that ride, and it's uh, I'm sure uh, there's some some chemical in your brain that endorphins are released, and you know it's it's fun for you. Uh, for my wife, it's it's horrible. Yeah, she you know she gets super stressed, and she she I think she associates it too much, and then also it sticks with her later and she can't separate it from reality to where it is, you know, she doesn't want to be in the house by herself right. after seeing, you know, a horror film or something like that. Um, there's an element of that for me too. I, I have, uh, I will admit that there are s several times in my past where I have focused very intently on the side of a screen in it while watching a horror film to not have to actually pay attention to what's going on. Um, because I just, I couldn't handle what, whatever I was watching. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I don't know. I think it's just a different taste for everyone. I, I grew up watching bizarre films for family films. I joke about, uh, natural born killers being our, our family film, uh, growing up. And, and that's, that's not a horror film, but it's definitely deals with some adult subjects and lots of blood and violence. Mm -hmm. Um, but it just, it, I didn't affect me the same way. And I think part of it is that pacing and the, the way that the film is crafted to have that kind of effect that a horror film has versus Oliver Stone doing what he does. So, <laughs> yeah, Oliver Stone, there was, there's a, a, a hashtag that was, that was trending uh, movies with different directors, I think. And it, okay. it was just, it was picking movies as if they were directed by different people. And so it was supposed to be this, this uh, conflict of like Steven Spielberg directing Jumanji or something. I don't know. 
<laughs> okay. Oh, or or oh. the Dwayne the Rock Johnson starring in Jumanji with no. Kevin Hart. Or or more like Oliver Stone directing Jumanji or <laughs> okay. or American Sniper. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And how different that would be. Yeah, exactly. Um all right. So uh I'll let me ask you this question before before we wrap up here. You you watch a lot of horror films from uh all throughout the history of of cinema. How are some ways that that these horror films can stay fresh. I know that sometimes you get a lot of sequels and people do remakes of old horror films. And sometimes people get kind of bored with uh, what's being out there. What are some films that are, are doing things differently if people want to find a good horror film that's already out? And what are some ways that the genre can stay fresh in your opinion and uh, keep making unique content? The the main thing is to have, a good story, good story and, and good, good actors. Uh, Conjuring two is, is really good. Um, and the first Conjuring as well, the green room that just came out with the, the recently departed Anton Yelchin, uh, and also John Luke Picard, Patrick Stewart for, for Pat- those, for the plebes for the- <laughs> out there. Uh, I think to, to keep it fresh, right. It just, there has to be good stories to be made out of it. And I'm not even, I'm not even against remakes really. Sure. Okay. When, when you think about the thing, it, it came out in 82. That was a remake of thing from another, uh, thing from another world, um, which is not a great movie by any stretch, but and it is also an adaptation of a, of a book called um, who goes there. Right. And then uh, the fly, the fly, uh, David Cronenberg, like the fly is a remake of a Vincent Price movie. Like sure. just mm-hmm. even if you were redoing a story, so long as there's something new to be taken from it and entertaining people and not just not just a cash grab like like some remakes have been. Right, yeah. So All right. Yeah. Okay. That was my, that's well, my good stuff. That's my thoughts. Do you, I do, appreciate you, do you think it could stay fresh, Travis? Do I I I do. I do. And I That's think, <laughs> I think that there are are there are very capable uh, directors and screenwriters out there that can come up with stories that will keep you scared out of your pants. So, or at I, least keep keep me scared of my pants, and you'll just be like this guy over here. Come <laughs> on, uh, I are Halloween is is nearly upon us. Do you have any uh, aspirations to to binge watch any uh, horror films or anything like that? Do you have? Any films that are Halloween traditions for you that you guys usually watch? Uh, absolutely, you have the Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors. Watch, hey. watch all of them. Got to, okay. got to watch them Simpsons. And then a uh, new new Halloween tradition is Trick or Treat. Watching Trick or Treat. Oh yeah, that's yeah. right. We talked about that last year. Yep, on, on the podcast. So, <laughs> um, I my commitment to you is I will try to watch one horror film, uh, before Halloween. Thank, so thank you. That's all, just for you. That's all I uh, the, the, we're we're recording on a Saturday. The The Walking Dead is back, season seven. Uh, it comes out tomorrow. So by the time this is, this episode is released, it will already be out. We'll Whoa. know who died. Who met Negan's bat? Lucille. Uh, Luc- Lucille. But uh, yeah. So so there it is. What what horror films do you guys listen or listen to? 
Do you guys listen to? Do, do you do you turn the 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 brightness down and just listen to to the the horror films? Uh, no, uh, we want to know what horror films you guys are watching. What are some of your favorites? What are some that you guys dislike? Uh, you can share that information with us over at all of our social media sites. Uh, head over to apatheticenthusiasm.com for links to all of those, or you can post a comment on this episode. Uh, and also head over to iTunes and give the show a five-star review if you're enjoying it. Share it with someone that you love or who is terrified of you. Either way, just so long as they hear the uh, podcast, that, that would be great. All podcasts and no reviews make Travis and Brandon something. The Shining, something. The Shining is a great movie. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't see that movie until that uh, senior year film class, but uh, I was very impressed. So, oh, that, yeah. that there's a, there's another thing you do to make the genre stay fresh is get get directors who aren't horror directors to direct horror films. Stanley okay. Stanley Kubrick hashtag. There you go hashtag hashtag Kubrick. Um, all right, all right, guys, that, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a topic or something that you would like to discuss, please don't be shy. Hit us up on social media, and we look forward to discussing those things in future weeks. Until then, I'm Travis. And I am Brandon. And we'll talk to you next time. See you guys. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online master's of social work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.